Hello and welcome to the Sourced Property Podcast. This week we're fortunate enough to be joined by a very successful lady who's recently become an author, Louise Wrighton. Hi Stephen, thanks for having me on. Yep, thank you for joining us. I know you're very busy at the moment with the book launch um, and it's great to get you on the podcast so that we can share this with other people who have uh, very similar interests. I know there's going to be a lot of people really interested in what you've been up to. Um, so you've actually been writing a book called SaaS Superstars, in which you've worked with 10 entrepreneurs unlocking their pensions, and you kind of gathered their stories without having to wait until they've retired. So really interesting, straight away, really interesting strap lines. I know a lot of people will want to know the different stories and backgrounds. Before we kind of jump into the book, it'd be good, Louise, to understand your background and what you, you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely, Stephen. Um, Well, my background is marketing. Um, I'm a career marketer of almost 30 years. It's 30 years next year, in fact, uh, giving me age away. Um, (laughs) I've I've spent my career in the healthcare and pharmaceutical industries, actually. Um, So I've worked early part of my career for a big high street health and beauty retailer here in Nottingham, um, where I'm based. So no prizes for guessing it's Boots, the Boots Company. Um, And I made my name professionally, I guess, as the the brand manager for uh, Nurofen, which I'm sure everybody knows and loves. Uh, And I worked on Nurofen in the UK, launching lots of a portfolio of Neurofem products um, and then I went to uh, I was lucky enough to go to Australia and I launched Neurofen in Australia and oh, then wow. I kept, I know, <laughs> fantastic experience so I was there for six months and uh, we, we made Neurofen very successful there and then I came back and I went into Central and Eastern Europe in the mid-90s as those countries were opening up the Western brands and Western products um, after the fall of the Iron Curtain, as we used to call it. Um, so I was launching brands like uh, Neurofen and Strepsils, uh, over-the-counter healthcare brands through uh, Central and Eastern Europe during the mid to late 90s. So that was, you know, fantastic and enjoyable time in my life, you know, doing lots of traveling. And then 15 years ago, I went into the pharmaceutical industry um, as a global marketer, marketing manager, which is where I am now. Um, I predominantly work on inhalers now. So I work for a company that works with pharmaceutical companies to um, develop and then uh, manufacture uh, new inhalers. So for things like asthma and COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder, it's a bit of a mouthful. Wow. But, you know, these are, these are killer diseases, um, really important to be working on, especially at this time we're in, you know, we're still in COVID-19 time here. And, you know, we, we've got some exciting things actually that we're working on um, that could be effective against um covid uh, virus and, and covid related infections in the lungs so it's it's kind of a you know it's great industry to be in um so you know although i'm in marketing and i, I can't claim to be you know in the lab and sort of researching the, the drugs and the products you know i still feel like i'm doing something uh, very worthwhile so yeah i'm still doing that that's my day job if you like um and, yeah. and i love what i do there um i'm also a property investor and I'm a SAS trustee, um, so talk a little bit about that later. Um, and then over and above that, I've got two daughters as well at 14 and 12 who also keep me busy 
uh, when, you're busy when you're busy working to earn all the money they need for their expansion <laughs> lifestyles, <laughs> you know the feeling, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's me, Stephen. So I think the first question anybody's going to ask you, Louise, is when do you sleep? Because, <laughs> you know. anyone, anyone who knows me well knows that I don't sleep very much at all. So yeah. I've, been, uh, I've been pretty busy and then writing the books being the icing on the cake. So thank goodness for lockdown because it kept me focused, to be honest. Well, yeah, you, you've obviously took advantage of a, you know, a, a situation which is, which is brilliant and a great use of time. And I think what comes across straight away just from the introduction is your passion for everything you do. And I think that's one thing that will drive people to this book because that passion, everything that you get involved in, you're 100% in and, and it comes across in the book as well. So that, that's going to be something I know our listeners will really benefit by, by reading the book and, and taking that away as well. So obviously we've got a little bit about your background and, and your passions and, and what you're doing in terms of marketing and the experience, which is phenomenal. I'm sure that's all kind of um, pushed towards this book and, and had implements to the book. How did you come across SAS and learn about it? And you know, how, why did you decide then to set one up? Yeah, I, um, I came across SAS, uh, the concept of SAS, um, towards the end of 2018. Um, we were looking at ways to grow our property business. Uh, I mean, we've been residential landlords for many, many years. We've got a small portfolio of buy-to-let properties, nothing set in the world on fire at all. But I came across the idea of using a pension, you know, to grow our property business. And, and I think that that's a fairly or an extremely common way, actually, that people get um, introduced to SaaS as a way to uh, leverage, you know, into, into property of, of whatever kind. Um, so that's, that's sort of how I came across it because I was looking um, into how to grow my, my property portfolio. Um, why did I set it up? I think... To be honest, the trigger for me was age and life stage. You know, I was I was approaching 50. I was starting to think about how long I wanted to carry on working full time in corporate life. Um, oh. before, you know, before waiting to retire or, you know, scaling down the, the pace of work. You know, I, I love what I do. I think that comes across and I'm still doing it. But... I wanted to prepare for life outside the corporate world and you know I'll be honest I don't want to be working five days a week full-time in, in a corporate job in the 60s um, I'd like to retire or you know at least semi-retire and do other things uh, by by 55 um, so that you know that that's my goal I set myself a five-year plan um, and I found SAS as a, as a way to enable that really you know it's it's part of the um, it's, it's the leverage that I'll use to get me to that goal of, you know, exiting co the corporate world by sort of 55-ish. It's interesting you say that because a lot of our inquiries, particularly when people are first looking at um, setting up a, more, a, a pension or, or they have a pension through work and they're not sure, you know, how to best utilise it. So that kind of first step is, you know, and, and when we look at our data, you know, the, the average age is 45 to 50. So people get to that age and then they start thinking, okay, now I need to think about the next 10 years, the next stage. And, you know, quite rightly, you know, you, you're putting the plans in place, you, you know, to, to make sure that you're enjoying it. You're enjoying all the hard work you've put in. And, and, and I think that's one of the great things with SAS and, and people will find that as they read the book is that it's an enabler in some respects, isn't it? It enables you to, to uh, live the life that you'd like to live and, and yeah. particularly as you hit retirement. 
That, that's oh. it. It is. It's an enabler. It's a tool. You know, and and the um, the interviewees in the book, you'll hear them use phrases like "assass is a tool," "assass is something to have in your armory," "assass is just part of the jigsaw puzzle." SAS is, I mean, SAS is a business in its own right. You know, running a SAS is like running a business. I can tell you the work that I've put in, but it, it shouldn't be looked upon as, you know, the end game, you know, a thing in its own right. It is an enabler. It is a tool. It's something that you leverage to achieve your goals, whether they be goals in property, in business, you know, whatever they might be. And, and I think that's the way to think about it and, and think about it holistically um you know as, as part of your overall sort of wealth journey or financial independence journey or whatever you want to call it you know no exactly and obviously when you, you've come across SAS, i mean i know when i first started looking at SAS, um very similar sort of scenarios yourself came across it particularly in the property world um i started to look online and you know you, you hear a lot of scare stories in terms of the, the time it can take or the involvement it can take how difficult was it for you to set up your SAS and, and you know, what was involved in that process? Yeah, um, it's not without its challenges and I, and I really resonate with the things that you've said there. You, you start researching it and, and you start to get worried about, about what you're reading um, in, in some ways. And so I think, you know, I, I recognise the benefits immediately um, and then I said, right, I need to really understand this and, you know, and who I want to work with, you know, to set up my SAS. So I really took my time to do that, I would say to anybody, and, I, and everyone in the book says the same thing, do your research, consider whether it's right for you, it's not for everyone, don't jump straight in, just, you know, really think about it and, and what's involved. So I would say I probably spent between six and nine months just learning and evaluating. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a fairly good decision maker. I don't dither. And, and it was very, very tempting just to go, I want to do this. Let's do it. And that's kind of more my natural, you know, um, sort of way of making decisions. But um, you know, I'd got a really good pension with, uh, I'd got a couple of good pensions. My first pension was with the Boots Company that I've already mentioned. You know, that was what they describe as a gold-plated scheme. It was a final salary scheme, a defined benefit scheme, a pension, you know, for the rest of my life, guaranteed. Uh, lots of different names for it, but, you know, they are the pensions that everyone says, you're really lucky to have that, you know, you should never give that up. Um, so there was a lot to weigh up in my mind. And so I would say, you know, the difficulties were sort of the decision making, you know, managing the emotion, you know, doing a proper analysis of, you know, the benefits versus the risks of taking control of this pension. Uh, but I just took my time to go through that process. I was really sure, you know, by the time I made the decision. Um, so it was probably middle of 2019 um, that I decided to make my application to the HMRC, um, you know, for, for my SAS. Um, it was approved pretty quickly. Um, HMRC are, are good. They've got a very small SAS department because not that many people in this country have SASs yet. But, you know, they're, they're very good at what they do. Um, so that part was really smooth. The more difficult part is transferring pensions in. 
um, and I know you know this is the bit that that really slows you down. So you can have a SAS with nothing in it for sort of up to a year, yeah. you know, while you try and get your pensions across, which can be quite frustrating. Mine was good because Boots have got a very very good um, pensions department um, internally there, and they were very very efficient and helpful. Um, so it it took a few months. I had to jump through some hoops. Um, because I was transferring a final salary scheme, um, there was I had to take independent financial advice, IFA advice, um, had to have all the modelling done to confirm it was the right decision for me, and um, the IFA um, found that it was the right decision for me um, in my situation. Um, so, so we, we yeah, we, we got the transfer made. So end of 2019, the decisions were being made and the applications being made for the transfer. We finally got my money in about February, so about six months ago now. Um, and I, I'm working now on bringing a second pension into my SAS, which should be easier because that's a money purchase scheme or what you call a defined contribution scheme. So how difficult is it? There's a lot to learn. There's, you know, there's hoops to jump through depending upon what type of transfer, you know, you're trying to make. But, you know, you've just got to learn about that. Look at the rewards, look at the risks. You know, and, and just get as much information as you can and make a decision would, would be my advice. So you started off really with one of the most complicated um, structures really, didn't you? To, it wasn't straightforward, but I suppose that's give you a really good grounding for learning and understanding you know, the process and, and um, how important managing and, and being a trustee is really because it's not something, it's not a decision you should take lightly. It's obviously something that you should appreciate and you've got to understand, as you say, you've got to utilise the SAS, otherwise it can sit there. It's not making money or it could lose money because you've got fees to pay that's it yeah no you've you've got to do your work up front so certainly even before applying to hmrc i was already doing a lot of you know the networking and deciding how i was going to invest it certainly by the time my application was into hmrc i knew i'd probably got several months before i actually had a funded pension that i could do something with so that was the time really they, this it's sort of called in the industry the hmrc downtime you know you're just waiting um, and you know that that's the time to you know really put a strong plan together. You know, you, you've again it comes back to it's a business. You are the managing yep. director of your pension fund, and that is not um, a role to be taken lightly. Um, so you need to put a proper you know business plan together and know what you're going to do from day one. Because if you don't, a couple of things will happen. As you said, Stephen. Number one. Your pension will sit there not growing and you'll kind of go well why did i do it then because it's just losing you know it's losing growth it's losing money it's going backwards or number two you get panicked into making bad decisions because you feel under pressure from yep. yourself you know oh god it's sitting there i need to do something i need to do something and you know we've, we've got to avoid those two things at all costs really so you know doing the analysis doing the work getting a business plan in place are, are just so important yeah, I mean, it's amazing the amount of people we meet, Louise, that, you know, they've gone through all the effort and the time to get the SAS set up and they've got the pension in the SAS and um, they, they've got the money sat there and they're looking for the, the perfect deal where they'll make, you know, 100% return or whatever the scenario is or they won't invest in a project because the front door is red or, some, you know. Yeah. And you can meet them two, three years later and they're still in exactly the same position and 
you know, it's right not to rush into deals. It's right not to, but you have to treat it as a business. You've got to look at it that, okay, the front door's red, but is that going to affect the overall value of the, the, the project that you're investing into or, or whatever the situation is? And uh, some, some people just need to be aware of, of uh, you know, how hands-on, I suppose, it is in, in that respect. And, and the different mm-hmm. strategies, there's lots of different strategies with SaaS. You know, how have you, what strategies have you used and, and how have you invested your SaaS? What's the experience? Yeah, yeah, great, great question. Um, you know, I think that the bottom line is SAS is very appealing, certainly to me and to, you know, SAS trustees and people that get into SAS because it's very, very flexible. So you can do more with a SAS than you can with a SIP, for example. Um, so it, it's it's very flexible and you can do a lot of things with it. In a way, that's the downside. You're spoiled for choice, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, you have you're not you've not just got someone giving you a choice of funds to pick from, you know, like you do kind of with a you know a standard private pension. So um the the main strategy I've used um so far is I've invested almost half of my SAS now um in secured third party property development loans. So um, I spent, as I say, the six months in the run up, um, working hard, networking, developing connections, researching investment opportunities before I'd even got any money, you know, would I invest in this, going through the diligence, almost like doing trial runs really, how would I make a decision about this? Um, And so when I got my money, I'd already got my first couple of, of investments lined up you know and ready to go and it was just a matter of right the money's coming in the money's now going straight into the investments so what i've done mainly is um i've invested with a couple of the property um crowdfunding platforms um i've invested in four projects uh, with with sourced um, with yourself stephen and i think you know you offer a great option um for sas trustees to you know to invest safely and to get great returns as well and uh, i should i should note this is not financial advice i'm i'm not regulated or or and we're not paying you for that comment either. you're not paying me for that <laughs> and, I, and i'm not here to give financial advice it, it's my opinion it's what I've of course. My fund. but um you know i do like the way the platforms like source do their due diligence and and you know i think you present a, a well secured and research package for you know for investors to invest in um as an investor you've got to do your own due diligence and i know you know you guys and the other um platforms as well really stress that um but you know i think the platforms themselves do go a long way and you know you're not just letting any old project from any old developer you know on onto your platforms for funding but yeah i think there's some great quality control there um so i've i've done um sourced on a couple of other platforms for secured third party loans and and i've invested in um loans through individual developers as well um, people that have got a great track record, people that I've got to know, to like, and to trust, um, yeah. you know, the, the owners and directors of those companies. So I've split my pension pot down. I was just uh, updating my pie chart the other day, and, you know, and this is about, you know, treating it as a business. Where is my SaaS invested? How much is in stocks and shares? How much is in cash, sitting in the bank doing nothing, ready to invest? How much is in platform A, platform B, platform C, project X, project Y, project Z? And just make sure that you've got, you know, a balanced portfolio 
um, you know, so even though I've actually only employed in the main one strategy, which is secured third party property development loans, I've actually really diversified across platforms, developers, project types, geographical locations, everything, you know, to, to, to mitigate my risk. So I guess, you know, my my experience so far is, you know, it's, it's been a learning curve with a lot of work, um, but I'm starting to re read the rewards now. And um, I meant to, uh, I must give a shout out to John, John Wilson at Source, who's been a fantastic relationship manager with Source for me. And uh, he's not paying me to say that either. <laughs> I'm more <laughs> worried about the pay rise that he's going to want now. Exactly, exactly. Thanks for that, Louise. Exactly, we'll have to get exactly. that edited out. <laughs> but um you know that uh, to me you know so when you're investing with some of the crowdfunding platforms you you know you're talking to an app basically whereas um you know uh, people like john at source uh you, they'll pick up the phone tell me what deals are coming through the pipeline answer any questions and you know again it's just part of making the journey enjoyable having you know good people to talk to and, and have a relationship with you know and sometimes i'm putting pretty large sums of money into the developments and you know it's just great to have that open channel of communication you know and and then even to invest um, to meet some of the franchisees that we're investing with as well so i'm starting to develop you know sort of personal relationships and looking at what more i can do um you know with, with a couple of, the, of your franchisees as well so i think you know there's 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 lots to go for there um but yeah that's been my experience it's not for the faint-hearted there is work to do and you've got to you know be prepared to do your analysis and dig in um and, yep. and really understand everything you know to keep yourself safe it's your your money and it's your decisions and no one's going to take them for you that, that you know that is the bottom line you've got to take a deep you know you make that first one deep breath i'm doing the right thing bang you know six figure sum going into a, a development yep, and it can be scary but yep. the more the more you do it the more you see the developments happening the more you see your money's safe and it's coming back with a great return it's like anything, really. You just learn by doing and, and you build your confidence, yeah. I think you've put it really well there, absolutely. Um, you mentioned quite a, quite a few times in terms of the hard work and the, the due diligence and, and, and those sort of processes. You know, what, do you, what do you feel managing your SaaS have been the, the sort of main challenges and lessons that you've learned? Mm -hmm. I think, I think the, the main challenge really has, I mean, and it's still fairly early for me. I'm kind of in year one of being a SAS trustee but it has been you know probably two years of you know learning and, and sort of hard work really as I've said I think um, the challenge has been the learning curve and just finding the time to go up the learning curve as I'm you know working full-time building a property portfolio as well and so what I did really was just to talk to people you know just network I'm a, I'm a fairly natural networker anyway um you know and, and so that network is now starting to pay dividends because i've made great connections you know I'm, I'm looking at doing joint ventures with people you know investing in people's projects and so i think really you know for me the learning has been you know the the, the power of the connection and the collaboration and I will say, you know, certainly the property community, but most definitely the SAS community, you know, that it's, it's very, very collaborative. You know, people are looking to help each other. People are looking to keep each other safe and warn people, you know, if there's things that they shouldn't be investing in. 
um you know there's there's really generous spirit i would say and, and everyone wanting everyone to be successful and you know no one wants any um any scandals or any bad stories in the SAS community um you know so there's sort of a, almost a level of you know we, we we sort of keep each other safe and protect each other from you know from rogue traders as well so i think you know the the sort of the the, the challenges and the learning of being around you know putting the work in but you know really use the community and the network yeah we we talked before we started the podcast Louise, and you you talked a lot a lot about this and i think it's it's really the way you phrased it was really nice because you talked about you know particularly like sas alliance sas alliance group is is growing and for anybody who's listening who hasn't come across sas alliance have a look on facebook because it's it is that community and it's that community of everybody's kind of learning together everybody's sharing that information and mark and the team have done a great job of of uh, setting it up and structuring it in that way so that it's not we know this information and you've got to pay to get this it's very much this is an open book and let's learn let's you know because in some respects um you know we were talking earlier about people have had SAS for a very long time and not really ha- not not known how powerful it is until the last couple of years and that's really because it has started to become more open people are discussing it and and learning from each other I suppose aren't they they are and uh, you know there's two or three examples in in my book where um the interviewees have had SAS in the family um, like family SAS and they're into second generation and almost going into third generation now sort of since the 1980s and they've literally said I, in the last two years is when I've learned about SAS you know since yeah, Mark crazy. and Nigel started SAS Alliance it's crazy um, you know I've been sat on this thing for you know all of these years 30 years um, thinking that all it was there for was to buy buy my commercial property from a business and that's what I used it for and no one ever told me you know what, yeah. what I should do with it um, so people are saying you know in the last year I've learned more about SAS than I did in the previous 30 you know of being a trustee and and and, and I think that that's fantastic and it, and it makes the SAS community very inclusive and I think a level playing field because even if you've had a SAS for 30 years and are very successful in business or property or whatever it is that you're in you know people are still humble and saying I'm, I'm still learning about this I'm just learning and, and it makes us all all the same you know where sometimes if you're networking property there's the you know sort of really big people that have done loads and are you know really talking about everything that they've done which is fantastic for them but as a newbie you can feel you know quite small but I think in the SAS community you know it almost feels like as I say everyone's on a level and uh, and, and sort of learning together which is really nice yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad you come back to the book, actually, because I think we were just going to go off and off and off just discussing SAS all, all, all throughout the podcast. So, yeah, you mentioned the book and obviously you've written this uh, this book, SAS Superstars. Um, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what's the story behind it and what's led you to, to decide to write in this book? Yeah, well, the idea came to me really during all my networking um, with, with SAS Alliance and SAS Trustees and... Um, you know, I met Mark, actually, I was lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time when Mark and Nigel launched SAS Alliance in, I think it was April 2019. I just happened to be in my research phase and someone said to me, this is happening in London, come along, it'll be great. And so I did. 
Um, and so I was kind of there from the beginning. So, you know, I'll always say I was in the right place at the right time yeah. you know, to sort of get into this. But, you know, it's only just over a year old now. But, you know, we were we were all reading uh, Mark's book, which is called SAS Pensions, and he published that middle of 2019. And it's it's just a fantastic overview of SAS and, you know, and, and talks about what, you know, what Mark Nigel and, and uh, the Echo Group have, have done with, um, with their SAS. Um, but when I was talking to other people in the community, you know, people were very much, as you just said earlier, people are getting their SAS and going, I don't know what to do with it. I need some case studies. I need to understand. So there was lots of people networking going, what have you done with yours? What, you know, what kind yeah, of investments have you made? And trying to learn from each other. And I was doing that. And I thought, well, I'm out there having these conversations. I could make this into a book um, that could help everybody, not just me. So I identified through my networking 10 really brilliant trustees um, that's not to say they're long-standing. We've got people that have had a SAS for 30 years. We've got people that are a couple of years in. Um, but they were all people that were, you know, being really proactive, that had got really interesting stories to tell about wealth in general and about how they were leveraging the SAS. So I just talked to these people, asked them to tell me their story, you know, interviewed them, and then I wrote it all into the book. Um, and, and right at the beginning, I said, I asked Mark um, if he'd like to co-produce the book with me because he's already written a couple of books. Um, yep. He's written one on SAS and he's writing another one on SAS now. Um, so we, we partnered up. It's a true joint venture and, and we've just published it. So you know, I've, I've had so many lovely messages from people saying, you know, I can't wait to read the book. It's really, you know, it's really what I've been waiting for. So I think, you know, people learn in different ways and, you know, having tangible, practical case studies of what people have done is really useful for some people that don't necessarily just want, to, you know, want to read all the theory. So, um, I you think know, it's I'm a just, brilliant I'm idea. Brilliant. I'm just hoping, yeah, thank you. I'm just hoping people enjoy reading it and, and learning from it. Yeah, no, I, I think they will 100%. I think it's fantastic. And in terms of obviously you, put, you position these different stories and I imagine each kind of uh, superstar has got, you know, either a different background or a different approach and, and, you know, obviously a different story. What are you hoping people will take from that then from the book overall? Yeah. First and foremost, I would say, Stephen, I, you know, it's I've, I've written what I think is an easy and enjoyable read. And, and I'm hoping the timing works. You know, people might sit in the garden this summer with, uh, you know, with a long drink on a sun lounger and just kind of enjoy reading 10 sort of mini biographies, really, or 10 stories um, that I've created, you know, for, for people interested in SAS or already with a SAS you know, that they can take something from. Um, you know, these are not dry stories about pensions, they're real life stories about how people have built their wealth and how people have taken control, um, you know, using a SAS. So um, it's very much about real life stories. We hear about people investing in business, expanding businesses, you know, buying commercial property, um, building property portfolios. There's some really interesting um, Conteresi conversions described, which which I think will um, appeal to the Source Network particularly. Yeah, fantastic. Um, couple of couple of pubs in there. There's even a police station. 
Um, you know, we, we hear about service accommodation, about HMOs, um, all sorts of wealth building strategies. So, you know, I think that there is something in there for everyone. And I think, you know, it goes back to SAS is very, very flexible. And that is almost the downside of it. You can do, you know, almost infinite things with it within HMRC rules. And so I think, you know, you can read these stories and you can say, and they, and they are quite different people. And you can say, I really like that person's story. And I feel this is like me, right? Yeah. You, know, they've, you know, they've got the same sort of you know interests or skill set or whatever um and, and you can say okay what, what have they done then um you know so i've tried to choose a great spread i've got people that are new into property and leveraging SaaS property i've got people that have been builders for 30 years you know that have got SaaS. so you know there's a whole range it's not just mega experienced people doing really big big stuff you know there's something for everyone really that sounds fantastic. I mean, it, you know, the different stories, like you say, people, I think people won't realize or appreciate just how many different ways you can use it until they read and see how others have done it. And I think that's really good because it is when you do network or you go to a SaaS event or anything like that, that is one question people ask all the time of, you know, what have you done with yours or how do you, have you used it or I'm thinking of doing this. And I know there's always Q and A's at the end of them and you do get some crazy ones where I'm thinking of doing this. Can it be done? And sometimes people will say, well, no, it's not, but there's no reason why it can't. And, you know, let's, let's explore it a little bit further and things like that. So um, I'm kind of a little bit jealous that you've had so much exposure to these great people. So, you know, I, I wish I'd jumped onto this one earlier. Um, obviously getting the chance to meet them and go through their stories. What would you say the sort of key takeaways from interviewing these different 10 superstars would be? Yeah, well, every chapter has got their story and then within every chapter, um, they each give their five superstar tips. So, uh, you know, if you're a skim reader, it's worth just diving into the five superstar tips in each chapter. So 10 times five, there's 50 of those in the book. And, uh, and so they're really worth reading. But for me, you know, as the author and having um, talked to all 10 of them and, you know, processed it, digested it, taken things for me from it, I would say the three key takeaways for me would be the first one. I mean, it's quite a soft one, really. It's about having a really strong why, um, because that's what drives you. And yeah. I think you know, a lot of people talk about, do you know your why? And people go, my why is to give me a good life and to provide for my family. Of course, that's everyone's why, really, <laughs> uh, with a few exceptions. But you've got you've to go deeper than that and you've got to get real emotion around it. And one of the things I've found helpful, and one, uh, a couple of the superstars talk about this as well, is, you know, to do sort of like vision boards and, you know, goal, um, goal maps and, you know, just really visualize and really get that, that strong why. Um, and, and the whys in the book, you know, are, are everything from, um, I want to be able to go to Australia to see my family twice a year and have a lovely holiday home in Australia to um, I want to go and do more charity work in, in Africa through my church. You know, there's all sorts of whys that are driving people, but you've got, you've got, you know, you've got to get to that level of granularity. I think the yeah. second one... The second one is about the power of the network. And um, as I was writing the book, it was really, really hard to not just keep repeating the phrase, your network is your net worth, because yeah. every single one of them 
said it to me because it's All so right. true. So, it's so true, isn't it? And yep. you hear it and you think, oh yeah, that's just kind of another one of these, you know, motivational throwaway lines, title of a book, whatever. Um, but all of them had proved that, that that was true. And, you know, and I'm certainly in the midst of experiencing that myself, absolutely for sure. So, you know, the power of the network, you know, some of these people like me have got a personality profile. You know, I've had 30 years in marketing. I'm fairly com comfortable talking to people, networking, meeting people. Some people have that as part of their profile. Some of them don't. And I've had to really push themselves to do that. But they're saying, you know, the more you do it, the easier it gets. Um, you know, and, and the more you the more you see the results from it, the more you want to do it, I guess. So okay. I think, you know, pushing yourself if it's not your natural thing, networking, you know, just you know, just find some baby steps and sort of just push yourself to do that uh, within the property and the SaaS communities and, and you know, you will find that that's working for you. And yes. then the third learning I think is um is about due diligence we've touched on it but all of the SAS superstars talk about bank grade due diligence it's back to the point that that pension pot is yours and you are making decisions and you might have a corporate trustee like I have that's keeping me compliant with HMRC rules and helping me with that tax side of things at the end of the day, I am making decisions about what I invest into. And so all of the 10 said, number one, um, you preserve your capital. You don't lose money. <laughs> and if that's all you ever do, then you've actually done a good job, even if you don't ever really grow it or grow it very much. If you can grow it while keeping it safe, if you can grow it in double digits while keeping it safe, fantastic. But number one is to keep your money safe because that's your pension pot, you know, and, and um, it's hard to replace it if you go and lose a chunk of it. Um, and I know how important that is that is to you, Stephen, and, and you know, and the source network, keeping your investors' money safe and secure. Um, so I think I think that's sort of the, the, the final key learning, really, is how seriously these guys take their due diligence, um, you know, and... and uh, don't lose money is sort of their, you know, their number one rule, really. Yeah, and I think that's really good as well because you're looking at, you know, you're picking ten people that have been successful. They're doing it. They're they're driving forward with it, and they're all sharing the same qualities, aren't they? They're all sharing, sharing the same, you know, points that this is what we look for. And a lot yeah. of it, I suppose, in some respects, you think, well, that, yeah, that's common sense, but you need to apply that common sense and you've got to make sure it's ingrained in what you're doing and, and you know you look at it as a business so you can't lose money you can't do this and yeah. you know, really really good points um as throughout the whole the whole uh, podcast which has been fantastic so louise so successful career property investor staff trustee and now an author so what's next? I think I need a holiday, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but, we can't, but we can't go anywhere. I was anywhere, thinking Prime Minister. <laughs> so I've got oh, some no. badges made up. So. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, what am I doing next? I am focusing next on developing my property portfolio. And my goal is to move into serviced accommodation and particularly coastal holiday lets. So that's my next goal. So I've chunked it right down. And um, I want to establish a holiday let during um, 2020, probably on the um, 
Northumberland or Yorkshire coast. Uh, that's a milestone I've set for myself this year. Um, yeah, I, having got a small buy-to-let portfolio, I want to start diversifying and going into sort of the bigger cash flows. So um, yeah, I've got a plan beyond that, but what's next for me, that's my milestone for this year is to get my first really high quality holiday let um, up yep. and run it, but you know, that gives me significant cash flow. And then I guess, you know, after publishing this book and having a bit of a rest, you know, I do want to, I enjoy writing. I'm a creative person having a background in marketing and yeah, I want to keep writing and, and creating content really for, for the SaaS community um, predominantly. So I guess, you know, if, if any of the listeners have any ideas or questions they want answered or ideas for other books, you know, get in touch with me and, and I'd be glad to have a chat. Yeah, fantastic. And I'm sure I'll speak on, on behalf of everybody. You know, we look forward to that because this, uh, this book itself, uh, fantastic, great idea, great, great approach and, uh, and context. So, you know, we're looking forward to, to what comes next, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, so to share as well with everybody, you know, where, where can we, uh, to, to wrap it up as well, where can we get a copy of this great book? Yeah, we are publishing through Amazon. Um, so the book's out in Kindle and paperback versions. Uh, on Amazon, we can perhaps put um, a link in the in the show notes and perhaps put yeah. something out through source social media. Um, Stephen, it'll be in Satellite social media as well. Um, so yeah, we've you know we've had some great feedback from you know what I would call key opinion leaders um, in the Saturn property space. You know, in, including yourself and yeah. So the initial feedback's been really good. You know, uh, people are just starting to read the book now, and yeah, I just hope everyone enjoys it first and foremost, and then learns something from it as well, and it helps them on their SAS journey. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, you know, as I said earlier, on behalf of everyone, really appreciate it. Really appreciate your time as well, Louise, coming on the, the podcast because your story's brilliant. You've got a really good positive approach to it all. And uh, we all look forward to seeing what's next. And I'm sure, like everybody, can't, can't wait to read this. So it's SaaS Superstars. If you search it on Amazon, you'll be able to find it, download it. We will share the link as well in our podcast. And uh, finally, thank you very much, Louise. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Stephen. I enjoy the podcast and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you.